Hi there, my name is Pete. This is Social Distancer. Welcome to episode 222. We made it! Yes, 2-2-2. And what a week it's been. Jesus. Where to begin? Well, right, well, now we need to talk about the sausage. We need to talk about Starmer. There have been elections in the UK. And the, oh, Labour has imploded again. Unbelievable. Fucking ridiculous. The Greens are doing great guns in Bristol. Looks like they might get more uh, seats than any other party in the um, council, which is very good. The terrible news for us humans is that the sausage romped to victory in Hartlepool and various other places. So we're going to be talking about the fallout from the uh, massive election election on Thursday and there's so many elections different types of elections mayoral elections council elections elections for the senate in uh, Wales and for the whatever the fuck it's called in Scotland it's called the assembly maybe it is in Scotland or the whatever it is called um parliament is it called the Scottish parliament yeah I think it is and uh, so the results are still coming in and um, so it's quite good that I've been so busy that I can only record on a Sunday afternoon because I've got a bit more information than I would have had if I recorded earlier. Um, but we're still waiting for Starmer to reshuffle his shadow cabinet. I'll talk a lot about Starmer. But anyway, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about COVID, obviously. And after the outro music, we have got Paranormal Blip. And I, you know... It's interesting that I know that not, not a lot of people listen to Paranormal Blip. I don't know exactly how many of you do, but I would just uh, take it from me that you're going to be hearing a lot more in your mainstream, lamestream media. <laughs> so The Guardian and um, Newsweek did a big story. Newsweek, for Christ's sake. The New Yorker did a big story on paranormal uh, issues over the last uh, week. So it's getting out there and um, and only that is only going to grow. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that after the outro. So anyway, if you're really interested, then obviously you're listening anyway. If you're not interested, you think it's all a load of old kooksty rubbish, then get on the fucking bus, pal, because it doesn't matter if you believe it or not. It's not to do with believing it. It's fucking there. It's there! Anyway, uh, sorry to have a go at you, but uh, here's the show. <laughs> have you ever seen the sunshine? No, not pork. Sunshine. I didn't say pork. I know you've seen pork. Is that sunshine? So the election on Thursday has lots of different outcomes. Mainly the um, headline is that if you were in power at the time when um, two thirds of the adult population have been vaccinated once and one third of the adult population have been vaccinated twice and we're days away from um, like more restrictions being lifted and people being able to go into uh, each other's houses for the first time 
in like months and months and months and the weather's improving and you know summer's on its way uh if you're in power when all of that is happening then the electorate by and large are going to say thank you very much we want more of the same and of course that for the vast majority of people is more important than um you know who paid for sausage johnson's curtains whether he had an affair with somebody that then got a hundred grand um you know all the other things let the bodies pile up all of the other scandals that we've spoken about in the last couple of weeks on this show and that have dominated um you know the news leading up to uh this leading up to thursday so for instance um the welsh uh leader of labor mark drakeford who's like a kind of i don't know he's like a kind of retired history teacher type doesn't seem to be particularly pizzazzy he's you know not like tony blair <laughs> um he you know astounding victory labor have now ruled in the what used to be the welsh uh, assembly and is now called the senate um for 22 years 22 years which is incredible um nicola sturgeon got back in as first minister and that's her fourth term or the smp's fourth term in a row which is incredible sometimes with a little bit of help with other people um but you know always being the main party in government in um the uh in Scotland in the devolved administration in Scotland which I think is the parliament I think it's called the Scottish parliament is it yeah probably and um you know Sadiq Khan one uh a little bit um down on where he was 4 years ago but he still won comfortably like 55% uh, Andy Burnham romped home in Manchester and so generally speaking um you know uh, the conservatives won massive numbers of councils as well and the bad news from labor's point of view was that they lost hartlepool now the researcher on the show left a message saying uh it's not all bad you know things can change stories can change quite quickly uh, narratives can change quite quickly so don't look too much into this and robert peston who isn't the researcher of the show said something similar as well so i understand that i get that but i'm also quite kind of like not surprised totally cynically you know fed up obviously the idea that sausage johnson has got more power than he had a couple of days ago obviously horrifies me you know what i mean and um you know i just think well of course you know right wing a right wing country is going to vote for right wing um parties you know and the guy that runs hope not hate nick lowes um wrote a blog the other day in relation to these results and he said with his his meaning sausage johnson with his pro brexit and right wing populist agenda which includes strong anti immigration messaging and deliberate manipulation and typing of a culture war there is currently very little political space for traditional far right parties obsessed with racial nationalism and islamophobia the bmp tapped into political discontent that existed in many white working class communities and while these voters were strongly opposed to immigration and a multiracial society 
They were also uneasy about the BNP's more extreme views when offered slightly more moderate versions of the same anti-politics, anti-immigrant and nationalist messages, these voters quickly jumped ship. And so in 2019, December 2019, the Brexit party got 25% of the Hartlepool uh, vote. Yeah. So if all of those vex- Brexit party people voted for the Tory candidate, obviously the Tory would have won over Labour in 2019. So it's just that the Brexit party, nobody's voting for the Brexit party anymore. Nobody's voting for UKIP anymore. Nobody's voting for all these fucking fringe far right groups because they vote for Sausage Johnson. Sausage Johnson is stoking the culture war, is anti-immigrant, just like Nick Knowles says, what his name is. Nick Knowles. (laughs) Um, You know, so it's no surprise that a place like Hartlepool isn't voting for Labour. And um, what's his name? Old Starmer has got rid of um, uh, Angela Rayner as the person in charge of campaigns and the chair of the party. But she's the deputy leader. And apparently in this reshuffle he's doing at the moment, which hasn't been released yet, she's going to get a kind of, you know, nice, nice job um, in his um, shadow cabinet. Um, but he has hired this woman called Deborah Matheson, who wrote a book about the, um, the, the loss, the 2019 loss, the Labour loss. And she used to do polling for Gordon Brown. And some of the things that she found, which is in her book, which I think is called Beyond the Red Wall, is that, you know, people in the North now equate the Labour Party with, um, you know, liberal, um, multicultural, middle class students who don't have anything to do with their lives. They might have their BAs, they might have gone to university, but they haven't gone to the university of life. The fucking nitty gritty. And having, you know, being having lived up north, it's, it's Paul Mason said something really interesting on Thursday. Paul Mason, the guy, the fucking lefty uh, guy that used to work at uh, Newsnight for a long time ago now. He said that we're swimming in racism, and that is absolutely true, absolutely true. We are swimming in racism, and it isn't just the fucking, you know, racists up in the north lands, up in northern land, where there's a bunch of fucking racists. I mean, you wouldn't believe the racism, like, everywhere, but it's also in the south as well. It's, like, everywhere. Like, you know, did a couple of episodes ago I did a whole bloody show about how racist Britain is so it doesn't surprise me whatsoever that now in this like day and age the Tory party are the party that's getting all the votes right now what does that mean for Starmer well Starmer unfortunately has got a lot of work to do because he's being on one hand he's being pressed by these people that are obsessed with Corbyn and can't get over Corbyn losing. And Corbyn lost, like, unbelievably. And all the fucking Corbynites are going, oh, yeah, but his policies were popular. Okay, fine. It's incredible that Starmer hasn't done a policy review. You can't blame the COVID-19 for that, right? That's In fact, COVID-19 and staying in your fucking house for a year is a good reason to launch... A COVID uh, a review of all policies. Like, it's incredible that hasn't begun. He's been in post for over a year, yeah? 
And you might think, well, okay, a good place to start is the, uh, you know, uh, uh, manifesto in 2019. What actually can we take from the manifesto in 2019? And when he was campaigning to be leader, he did say that he was going to take some of those ideas um, forward, you know. But you wouldn't ever think of it. I mean, Starmer uh, has been, you know, quite good at combating uh, Sausage Johnson at PMQs. But there has been no message whatsoever. It's been absolutely clear that they went into this election with no messaging. I mean, it's unbelievable, you know. It's unbelievable. And now they're going to do a policy review. Good fucking idea. I mean, you kind of need policies if you're going to, you know, want to attract people. He's made a decision which I think is a bad decision, whereby he doesn't want to go anywhere near Brexit because he doesn't want to stoke the different kind of tensions in the Labour Party. But the thing is that Brexit is a fuck up, yeah? You go to the people in Hartlepool, there's this clip going around, this which has become kind of infamous over the last day or so, of this old fucker in Hartlepool going, well, it used to be the day that because your grandfather voted Labour, then the father voted Labour, and because the father voted Labour, then I voted Labour. But now we're becoming a bit more independent-minded. And Labour have closed the local hospital, they've closed the court, and they've cut the number of policemen. And you think, like, how, what, what world is that guy living in? Labour didn't do any of those things. The fucking Tory government that he then voted for did those things, yeah? So there's a, like, this is what happens when you close 800, hosp- uh, 800 hospitals, 800 uh, libraries, right? 800 libraries are closed. No surprise, we've got, you know, fucking thick people walking around the streets. But at the same time, if that is allowed to kind of take root, that thinking is allowed to take root, then the Labour Party and anyone else in power should be able to kind of, like locally in power, should be able to like know that that's the kind of common, you know, concern locally and fucking address it. You know what I mean? It's unbelievable. And time and time again, we've seen this with Labour and it happens obviously all around the world where people, there's this idea of the safe seat, yeah? Just because traditionally people have voted one way, then the idea is that they're always going to vote for one party, okay? And the problem is that then you become complacent as an MP, you become complacent as a bunch of councillors for the town council or the city council or whatever, and you don't address people's problems because there's no incentive to. It's not that you have to address people's problems or they're going to vote you out, because they haven't voted out you or the people in your party for decade after decade after decade, yeah? And this complacency is like, you know... So we'll see. Uh, Sosie Johnson goes up to Hartlepool after um, uh, the uh, 2019 election, like running... He, he ran on this idea of levelling up, okay? Levelling up means that you give money to places that have been fucked over through Thatcher, like fucked over since Thatcher, fucked over after austerity for 10 years, 2010. Now, Sosie Johnson comes along and says, well, well, we fucked you over, now we're going to give you some... <laughs> we're going to sort you out, OK? And enough people are falling for that. I mean, I don't think, you know, in 20 years' time, I'd, I'd be incredibly surprised if Hartlepool and Darlington and, 
you know, Bishop Portland and all these places that fucking voted um, uh, Tory are any different than they are now. I'd be like massively surprised. And obviously, I think it's a, a, a massive con that Sausage Johnson is just, you know, conning these people. But at the same time, you would think if you're a Labour MP, you would think that you kind of have the ear of your, you know, kind of what's going on on the ground and that you could address it, you know. Um, and and Sausage Johnson, he is a he's a campaigner. He's only a campaigner, but he's exactly the kind of person that you know the, that question that they ask uh, the public, like you know, who would you rather have a drink for? Who would you ha- rather have a drink with if you drink? You know, there's no question about it. Obviously, people are going to say fucking Sausage Johnson over Keir Starmer, who just comes across because he wants to be anti Corbyn so much, and because he wants to be anti-Johnson so much, it's very difficult for him to project who he actually is, yeah? He just comes across as dry, humorless, you know, very sober and quite sombre and very serious, but not the kind of person that is attractive, you know? You don't really want, you don't kind of want to uh, have a drink with him, for instance, you know? So all of these things are big, big problems. And we've got, like, on the other side, you've got Corbyn in one side, you've got um, fucking Peter Mandelson. Like, he was Hartley Paul's MP, which is insane. The idea that Peter Mandelson uh, has anything to do with the people of Hartley Paul, like, it's extraordinary. It's just this safe seat thing. Like, fucking Tony Blair was down the road in Sedgefield in the Northeast, you know? These people have nothing to do with the lives of the people in the Northeast, but because they were safe Labour seats, they were just, like, put in place, you know? And so because he was the Hartlepool MP years ago, Peter Mandelson is giving advice to Keir Starmer saying that he needs to adopt the Brexit attitude. I mean, it's unbelievable, you know. So Starmer's got some work to do. He needs to find a personality. He also needs to work out how to kind of navigate between these incredibly bitter and opposing forces in the Labour Party. And it is just like, you know, nobody has a fight like the fucking uh, Labour Party has a fight, you know? uh, I've often talked about that moment in, when was it? Like, uh, I don't know quite when it was, maybe July, um, July 2020, something like that. Um, Well, I don't know, July 2019, maybe, when... um, uh, Kenneth Clark and a few other people were chucked out of the like big names, yep, big big names, uh, former ministers, you know, former kind of like leaders of the Tory Party were chucked out of the Tory Party by Boris Johnson. Now, because we've got a right-wing media here in Britain, not much was made of it. But that's uh, basically that's how you do a coup, yeah. That's how you do a fucking coup. Unfortunately, the Labour Party don't have the... uh, They're not in the position whereby if they do that, the whole world won't blow up on the front pages, you know? I mean, it's amazing that, you know, anything happens in the Labour Party because every single leader is attacked. Gordon Brown for being deaf, fucking Ed Miliband for eating a sandwich, and Jeremy Corbyn, well, for everything, you know? And so, of course, they're going to try to attack Starmer as well. And the only reason why Blair didn't get that is because he did a deal with Murdoch. I mean, we all know this, you know. And so there's lots and lots and lots of work to do. 
it, a reshuffle doesn't really matter. He's kind of losing the daily um, race, if you like, for attention. He's lost the election, but also tomorrow, um, Boris Johnson is going to say that hugging is back and that we can hug our friends and family from the 17th of May, like uh, next week. And the day after that, then, he's going to do like a kind of uh, come together, all of the leaders of Wales, Scotland and England, and we're getting out of we're going to get out of COVID together. So he kind of he's planning his week in relation to winning this election, you know, whereas Starmer is like, you know, fucking hunkered down trying to work out how to put all the pieces uh, together on the board for his new shadow cabinet, not wanting to piss off people on Twitter too much, whilst at the same time, you know, good news stories like the West of England um, mayor candidate, which was a gain for Labour, which nobody really expected, you know, that's just being kind of brushed under the carpet because a, a, another civil war has erupted in Labour. Well, if you want to sing out, sing out And if you want to be free, be free Cause there's a million things to be You know that there are And if you want to live high, live high And if you want to live low, live low Cause there's a million ways to go You know that there are What you want the opportunities are and if you find a new way that you can do it today that you can make it all true and you can make it undo you see ah it's easy ah you only need to know COVID-19 is uh, rampant in many countries in the world still, including in India. And in India, it's looking like the peak for the deaths is going to be in about a month's time. And it's very difficult to rely. Well, you can't rely on the official figures because we know it's far more than that. So, you know, our heart goes out, our hearts go out to people anywhere in the world that are suffering from COVID-19 or grieving. And it's interesting, I was speaking to somebody at work the other day about how even for us, you know, people that have been lucky and haven't lost anyone, um, it's very difficult just to kind of continue life, you know? No matter what your circumstances are, it's been very stressful for everybody and more stressful for some than others. But there's no space in our everyday lives or kind of generally as a society to reflect or anything. It's just like, you know, fucking wake up and get to work. Do you know what I mean? So, um, you know, but some people have obviously are grieving and some people, many, many, you know, many, many people have, have lost a massive amount. In Britain at the moment, 
33.5% of adults have been vaccinated once and 33.5% of adults have been vaccinated twice and cases are are good they're still low late low lake uh, daily cases are you know just under 2000 usually maybe over 2000 but you know never over 3000 and hospital admissions are low and deaths are still falling i think hospital admissions are still falling as well even if you've been vaccinated twice it doesn't mean you're not going to die it means that if you do get covid-19 if you're unlucky enough to get covid-19 you're going to have a mild bout of it probably 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 um, but of course, if you're very ill and very frail, then a mild bout of COVID-19 might just be, you know, curtains. I'm not talking about Sausage Johnson's curtains either. No. So, you know, uh, for the rest of us, I mean, if you're listening to this and you're really old and frail, then good luck to you, pal. But um, <laughs> uh, for the rest of us, it's really important that we stick by the guidance, you know, and even on uh, in in Britain, on the 17th, sorry, in England, on the 17th of of May, so that's a week tomorrow, a week on Monday, you know, Huggins coming coming back. So of course, obviously, if you've been vaccinated twice, then there's no really. I mean, of course, you can hug whoever the fuck you like, basically, you know. But if you haven't been vaccinated twice and you haven't waited for the two weeks after the, your second vaccination then you do need to be careful, even if you've been vaccinated once, you know, you do need to be careful. Now, I'm going to talk about a video that um, Dr. John Campbell put up a week ago on the 2nd of March, uh, of March, of uh, May. And this is really interesting. This is about, so if you're interested in this, take a look at his YouTube page and all of the information is under the uh, episode description for the for the video. This is about a lung cancer screening trial in Italy in uh, 2019, okay? So they took bloods from uh, five, uh, 959 asymptomatic individuals, um, September, October, November, December 2019, and then January and February 2020. And then they had to stop the trial because COVID-19 obviously overwhelmed, you know, Italian um, healthcare, you know, the hospitals. So, and then they picked it up again. And what they found was, like surprising every motherfucker, was that there were, was 11% of that number of people had COVID-19 antibodies unbelievable so um and it and it spans out that it's quite equal it actually drops a little bit in the in the winter months but so of 111 people in september 2019 23 had covid19 antibodies in their blood um in october it was 27 of 111 in november it's 26 of 111 december 11 of 111 January 3 of 111 and February 21 of 111. So what we can take from that is that there were unexpectedly very early circulation of COVID-19 among asymptomatic people in Italy. 
So these are people that, uh, and across Italy, yep, apparently 13 regions. Um, so that's incredible. 10%, 10% of this random bunch of people in, well, higher than 10%, this random bunch of people in Italy had COVID-19 um, antibodies. And it also links to a story about, uh, when was it? Um, in France, in Paris, in December 2019, um, people were, uh, somebody was hospitalized and, and they had it as well. Yeah. And we also know um, anecdotally that there was a massive spike. I think I, uh, from memory, I think it was nine times the amount of people were hospitalized for pneumonia for um, well, what they called pneumonia in Britain in um, the winter of 2019. Yeah. December 2019, January 2020. So, you know, a good few months before we well, you know, we knew about it in January 2020, but we didn't think that it was in Britain in any big numbers. And this is really interesting personally, because I had like, I'm not saying I, I mean, the thing is, we'll never know, right? I am saying I'm patient zero. No, I'm not saying I'm patient zero. But what I am saying is I had a very unusual um, uh, cough and like a, essentially the flu that went on and on and on and on and on and on and on for months, like literally from September until uh, January, like that all that time I was had this hacking cough, like this unbelievable cough and uh, various other symptoms. It kind of like went into like obvious, clear, fluy like symptoms. I didn't lose my taste. I did have headaches. I felt like really tired and like totally exhausted, like properly exhausted. And I also had something wrong with my toe as well, which could well be COVID toe. So we'll never know now because of course there's no test that can be done that, um, you know, bypasses the fact that I've got immunity from COVID-19 because I've had my both my jabs, you know. But that's so, like, there's been so many people I've spoken about, and probably you as well, who have this kind of anecdotal thing about, oh, yeah, my, you know, my uh, husband's brother or whatever was ill, or this person was ill, or this person was ill. I've heard it from so many motherfuckers. So there might be something in it. Yeah. Episode 222. Thanks for listening. Hope you have a great weekend, but next weekend, because this is the end of this weekend. And um, thanks for listening. Take care of yourselves. Do all the normal things. Now I'm going to look at the broccoli. It's much forgotten, much maligned, but an absolutely vital part of everybody's diet. So eat your broccoli. Now think of broccoli. One, two, three. Walk between the raindrops. Take care of yourselves. Wear your mask. Do your things. Do that. Do this. Do everything else. And uh, it seems like I've got loads of time. They might as well say the paranormal blip is coming up in a moment. And I'll see you next weekend. And take care of yourself. I've got loads of time still. What's going on? What do I normally say that takes so long? Just keep talking. Fucking ages until the woman. Come on, Mariah. Sing your bloody song. Come on. Da-da-da. Right, see you later. <laughs>
That music can only mean one thing. This is Paranormal Blip. And good news is that the um, the producers of 60 Minutes, it looks like they're going to be doing something on the UAP phenomena very soon. Unidentified aerial... Um, what does the P stand for? A UAP. What does the P stand for? <laughs> Oh, it stands for phenomena. <laughs> so, unidentified aerial phenomena. Yeah. Uh, 60 minutes. Wow, it doesn't get bigger than 60 minutes, does it? No, not if you're not in the United States. If you're not in the United States, 60 minutes is a bit like tonight with Trevor McDonald. But Trevor McDonald is not in it. And also, it's not... There's nothing like that, actually. It's like lots of different stories but what is it like 15 minute sections each usually but they do do specials as well don't they or maybe it's 20 minute sessions each but apparently Lou Elizondo it looks like Lou Elizondo is going to be going on 60 minutes and uh, Christopher Mellon who used to be this department of defense biggie uh, before he retired and came out and said yeah there's something in it he said this really interesting thing about uh, just totally speculating. So there's, we've got UAPs flying around. Uh, you know, we know this. We've got evidence for it flying around. Um, you know, there's, there's kind of seems to be a bit of an interest in any kind of military exercises happening. We know that there's a big interest in, uh, you know, nuclear silos and, you know, case after case after cases about that. And... Um, What's his name? Old Chris Mellon was talking about how if there was a... It's just totally speculating here. He's saying if there was a, uh, a kind of species, a kind of alien species that wanted to, if they travelled just a little bit faster than the speed of light, in a million years, they could essentially take over the galaxy, Yeah just go from planet to planet to planet to planet it only takes a million years and in the big scheme of time a million years is perfectly doable you know perfectly doable and then he was thinking so if that's the case then they might be sending um you know uh, machines let's just call them machines machines uh that fly in um they kind of do their you know observations and then they fly out again and so, and it may be that because there's so much, there's a weird relationship between UAPs and water, it may be that they're using water not only to hide kind of motherships, as it were, um, but also as uh, their kind of embassies or bases on planet Earth for them to kind of have a base to, like, you know, somewhere to go to, yeah? And they also, someone else, I think it was Lou Alessandro was saying, that maybe water is used as a kind of fuel. Because it's really weird that these, like, transmedium uh, vehicles, you know, they come from space into the air, like flying around in the air, and then they go into the water, you know? And they think, well, why are they so interested in the bloody water? Is it because it's a good place to hide your vehicles, like your big motherships, or is it there's a kind of practical element of you know the chemical 
components of water, hydrogen for instance, is hydrogen fueling their craft. Yeah, it's very interesting. So Newsweek did a story, which is on their website probably, about, um, oh yeah, because I read it there, is um, about this guy called Brandon Fugel. Brandon Fugel owns a property in Utah called Skinwalker Ranch. Skinwalker Ranch has got a uh, documented history of paranormal events going back a hundred years and um, in uh, oral culture back hundreds of years before that with the Native Americans who live there. A skinwalker is a Native American kind of myth creature that can take the shape of various animals. A bit like Manimal, I guess. But Manimal Manimal Ranch. Manimal Ranch. Um, Skinwalker's far more creepy term, isn't it, than Manimal. Anyway, um, now, so, so Brandon Fugel bought this off of Robert Bigelow. I've spoken about Bigelow in the past. When Bigelow had it, he had it for 10 years and he set up a bunch of scientists to try to, uh, you know, document and categorize these paranormal events. What we're talking about is um, uh, spaceships turning up quite regularly. Spaceships turning up. We're talking about uh, animal mutilations, cattle mutilations. We're talking about um, ghosts. We're talking ghosts. So various different weird, shit weird things. High strangeness is the excellent way that Brandon Fugel describes this um, phenomena and how it uh, presents itself in, on Skinwalker Ranch. And um, so here's George Knapp, and here's George Knapp talking to a bunch of people, including, weirdly, Robbie Williams. And if you're a fan of John Ronson, like uh, you probably are, if you're listening to this, John Ronson, I remember, I haven't gotten back to it yet, but I remember John Ronson was contacted once by Robbie Williams years and years ago. This is like going back, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago or more than that, saying, oh, I hear that you are interested in UFOs. Let's get together and do an article for a newspaper about UFOs because I'm interested in UFOs. Well, now um, Robbie Williams is in with the big guns. You know, he's mates with George Knapp, mates with Jeremy Corbell. And so he is having, he's part of this discussion. I'm not going to play what um, Robbie says because I just want to get George Knapp here. So this is George Knapp talking about the kind of weirdnesses around Skinwalker Ranch. Ranch. So here he is. Whatever that's here, it, it plays by its own rules. It shows you what it wants to, when it wants to. And for, for NIDS, when they came in, they came in like gangbusters. And there was a debate. Should they try a technical approach, scientific approach, or should they maybe back off, contact shaman, psychics, remote viewers, end up bringing a lot of technical expertise and equipment, scientific measuring equipment, to try to figure out what's out here. And basically, science got its ass kicked. Because, uh, it was unable to come up with any answers whatsoever. Collected a lot of information, but the phenomena itself always seemed to be one step ahead of, of the team that was trying to figure it out. Yeah, I, 
you know, I don't know. I, whatever is here, it, it toys with whomever is trying to figure it out. I mean, it plays games. It messes with your mind. It seems to know what you're going to do before you do it. And it gives you glimpses only when you don't expect it and you're not ready for it. And um, so I don't know if anybody's ever going to be able to figure it out. But it's a, it, it, maybe that's the point of it. It's a learning curve. You know, it's, it's meant to be the challenge, the journey of getting there as opposed to figuring out the final answer. And, and you know, there, there's a suggestion from what's here is all these different phenomena that you wouldn't normally associate with each other, UFOs and poltergeist, poltergeist and Bigfoot, Bigfoot and cattle mutilations, all those things in one place. It's almost like it's telling us they're all related on some level and it's up to you to figure it out. That's interesting, isn't it? Yes. And um, Jeremy Corbell in an interview this week said that he was asked, have you ever had any paranormal experiences yourself, Jeremy? And Corbell said, well, weirdly, at Skinwalker Ranch once, um, this guy that does security for Robbie Williams, whose name is Neil, Neil, uh, not Neil, but another Neil. Um, well, I don't think I wouldn't put it past Neil. <laughs> Maybe Neil does the security for um, Robbie Williams. It's exactly the kind of thing Neil would do, actually. And anyway, this Neil fella <laughs> said um, that um, he, he saw a kind of shadow being uh, following Jeremy Corbell in, uh, at Skinwalker Ranch. They're all kind of like sitting together having a meeting or something uh, inside, like in a building. And... Um, Yes, yeah, so that happens. So that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, see you later. Good night. Bye. <laughs> see you later.